0: all your favorite parts of the 50-yard fight. This is the Inside the Walls podcast with Zach Kyleman and Jim Bernier. Welcome in fans of the 50-yard fight. This is the Inside the Walls podcast. Zach Kyleman in here, as always, for our latest episode, episode 91 of the show. Wow. We're almost to the three-digit mark on these shows. Uh, as I am coming in to you today to kick things off, for a week out from the season start, we are going to be talking about predictions that we have for the 2023 NAL season, the whole shebang, standings, playoffs, our awards predictions with not only, of course, one of my co-hosts that I'm going to bring in right now with Jim Renier coming onto the fold, but we, we he hasn't been on in a bit. He's been on the recruiting trail as well. We're going to bring on, of course, an NAL MVP himself and third member of this show mason espinoza himself welcoming both of you on um jim good to see you as always glad to get another show in so quickly by the way and uh mason i'm gonna just lead off with this i mean dude you've been on the recruiting trail we kind of chatted of course before show but i mean for the folks out there how's how's the recruiting life for the uh, DePaw oc himself
1: it's good man it's good man it's been busy for the last couple of months for sure uh we're really really excited about our class we have coming in we've hit chicago really hard hit indianapolis really hard like always and kind of kind of filled in from there to, to some other places so we're really excited we're, we're rolling we've been busy we've been on the road been in high school so now spring ball starts here here the next week and we'll get rolling and ready for fall now
0: all right well i'm digging it here uh definitely going to be wishing the best for you i know it's still got plenty of time left until your next season of this fall. But I mean, Hey, things are kicking off early. College football doesn't sleep. It only has small breaks in between.
1: (laughs) Absolutely. You're dead on. Appreciate you.
0: (laughs) And we're glad to have you on too. You know, Jim, I, I, as you and I have obviously spoke, uh, you know, one week away at this point, really kind of be a little less once the show probably drops. So um, it's time to have all of us kind of just give our last final thoughts on kind of what we think might happen this year. Again, these are predictions these are what we think will happen the season anything is uh you know, the rest is still unwritten as one famous song once put but we are going to uh put what we think might be written this year uh, all three of us as we did at the beginning of the off season with some of our other predictions we'll kind of be visiting that right now so uh jim as you may know we got to talk some standings well what do we think about standings jim what, what are we looking at
2: um standings are a thing we do that pissed off the whole league because their team should be better. Whatever, oh, it's all well, crazy. But, well, but well. ladies and gentlemen, if you're listening to it right now, I'm having some technical difficulties. Don't know what's going on. Just know if I'm talking super fast, it's not me. <laughs> it's he. Not me
0: it just me look all this is is he's really excited for the season so he's speeding up how he talks it's just how he is when he gets really kind of like giddy because he knows that he's gonna go watch sharks football not this first week he's got a wedding to go to but he'll go soon enough he's a season ticket holder for crying out loud he's gonna be there he's ready for football
2: yes yes i'm ready for football i been a couple days doing graphics uh especially for our team here um yeah so standings uh one thing i love about standings is that Literally, we, this is where we think teams are going to finish. Also causes drama in the community, and we get called idiots, but yet they still come to our show and listen to us. So um, how we're going, we're going to the stadiums, playoffs, what we think is going to championship, then we go to individual awards. Not every single individual award. We're not doing executives and fan base mascots. I mean, we're just doing players and teams.
0: Sure, so, yeah.
2: sure. Uh, one week out, we're technically, when we're recording this, we're six days, and when this podcast is released, it'll be three days to kick off. So, yeah.
0: Right. And we're also I mean, that's all while we're putting this together too, some of this is getting adjusted, I think, because and Mason and us three brought it up together. Mason, you can touch on this. I mean, uh, as you know, with any of these leagues, crucial camp cuts are going to be cutting down. We got to give those 25 man rosters here pretty soon, if not really just this week, you know, got to finalize who's going to be all available to shift out, rotate in or start and be specialists by this Saturday.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's absolutely critical, you know, with games starting this weekend, I mean, those cuts that obviously, you know, happen or mostly happen and they're going to have some, you know, probably final, final cuts here coming up soon, last one or two, but like it's, it's an odd transition as a player this week because you've been in camp mode for so long. You've been in camp mode for a couple of weeks where you got guys trying to make the team and you're really worried about yourself. And then all of a sudden you show up for practice one day and there's half the people and, you know, you're getting ready for an opponent and you're much less workload on your legs, much more game plan and, and and that type of stuff. So it is important. Those cuts are important because, you know, at the end of the day, no matter how many you bring in, you only have those, you know, 25 there in the locker room and you got to start bonding and gelling and knowing it's going to be going to be in for the long haul. So it's a fun time. It's a nervous time. All that nervous energy is kind of out at this point And you're just ready to get on the field and play some football.
0: Mm hmm. Yeah, get on the field and at least also get that first week underway because I feel like part of part of what happens with any football league is, is you have a little bit nervous jitters, I think, even if you are a seasoned vet, just to get started and yeah. get back out there, get in the flow. But also, you know, say for newer coaches in this league, say like a Herky Walls or, you know, say like, of course, a Coach Gunnings who's coming back into the fray now in the NAL or even like, you know, Coach Smith over in West Texas who's now with a, you know, new to the NAL, he still is a veteran coach, but... You know, seeing how these systems work, especially with arena football being back, you know, and that different maybe a slightly different setup, or just being your first time back in a while like hercule Walls, you know, getting your guys in the same page as soon as possible. Week one is uh kind of that first testing rounds to see if all the training camp items stuck. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And
1: you know, it's it's hard. There's some you know, every organization, you know, depending on their 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 arenas and stuff. They have different pros and cons. Like I remember thinking one of the biggest things that one of the, the the biggest positives that we had in Columbus was the civic center. Wasn't that busy this time of year. And we could actually go physically in and practice in the arena three or four times before we played our first game. There's going to be teams I guarantee. And it's typically the bigger teams, the teams that their arenas are full year long. I wouldn't be surprised if Jacksonville, you know, wouldn't be surprised if Carolina, maybe with all the basketball going on, literally their first time in their arena will be on game day. So that's hard on coaches. It's also really hard on, on rookies, right? Guys that, yeah, you know, you can, you can measure out a field outside all day. It's just not the same till the walls there. It just feels so much more, smaller, you know, smaller and smaller and confined. So I know that was probably one of the biggest keys in my opinion, to our success in Albany, you know, the, the, that last year in the AFL was that we practiced every single day in the arena on our field and we got used to the walls and, and guess why you saw a lot of rookie contributions on that team, you know, because they were veterans by the end of the year where some teams, you know, they, they couldn't use their arena all year.
0: Yeah, I think this is a little bit of a tangent, but I might as well ask while we're at it. And I think I've we may have touched on this before, but since it's the beginning of the year and I think some people, maybe they're getting new into the sport, you know, Mason, I guess for a player, you know, you obviously you joined up with the a, kind of the AFL more so, but like describe like a rookie season in an arena indoor league, you know, I mean, obviously quarterback, you got to adjust a few things, but you know, I think overall you're adjusting to a different landscape as a player coming into something that's familiar, but still very much different.
1: It's, it's, it's chaos for sure, because there, there's two, there's two step ups for one, typically when you're a rookie, You know, some people have had experience playing in the National Football League or the Canadian Football League or whatever it is, and and have already taken that professional step up, right? A vast Mm -hmm. majority of us, myself included, got cut, you know, in camp, either the NFL or the CFL. So we had never played a professional game at full speed. So not only are you taking a college game and cranking it up because it's faster, but you're also confining yourself into what's 23% of an actual field Mm
0: -hmm. and
1: you're playing a new game with new rules. Like I remember, you know, having to literally I'm like week four or week five of my rookie season. I'm still learning rules. Like something will happen once a game. And I'll be like, what was that? They're like, Oh, it's this rule. Uh, You know, credit Rob Keefe. I know he's, you know, out West, you know, but that was one thing in Albany that I thought he did incredibly well was, you know, we play on Saturday night and we give a Sunday off and we come back Monday. And before we, we, we broke apart and watched film as position groups, he would always have a uh, like a playlist of weird things that happened in the league that weekend, and he would show oh. us and explain the rule of why. And so we felt at the end of the year that we were all much more prepared on the rules than everyone else at the end of the year because we were seeing weird, kooky rules that happened. It's just different. It's, it's hard. And so you're learning that as a rookie, and it's, it's chaos. I'll just be honest with you. It's chaos. Uh, it's hard you're probably in a new city for the first time, probably meeting a bunch of guys for the first time, but it is it's incredibly special and uh you're hooked. I know that. <laughs> I
0: I could I can only imagine getting used to it as a as a person on the field with some some of the things. I mean, seriously, if you're a linebacker, that probably like that's one I could imagine, you know, being sure that you're knowing which like being sure you know which, which if you are a Mac or a jack and getting that down like your number one priority in training camp. Because you start seeing a few out of those out of the box penalties or, yeah. you know, you do an incorrect twist. Then you're going to be like, yeah, I'm pulling you. I'm sorry, <laughs> but you're, you're costing me well, yards.
1: It's like <laughs> it is. it's I like, it's, it's, thought about this before. It's like playing baseball your entire life. And then all of a sudden you're going to go play professional fast pitch softball. It's like, OK, uh, yeah. like generally it's the same thing, but not really. Like it's almost a different sport, even though they're very, very similar. You know what I mean?
0: I see what you're saying.
1: <laughs> it's it's different rules, different strategies, but it's more or less the same thing.
0: Jim, I think I think this is a good, here's a good thing. I know I'm on a tangent. We will get to predictions, but might as well while we're talking new season. And again, new people, new players, new fans too. Jim, if you're a new fan of this, league, say you're watching some old replays. You're jumping onto our show for the first time. And you're like, okay, well, I'm going to go to my first game this year. I bought a ticket. Uh, I bought a ticket to go to the uh, Vistar Memorial, you know, Coliseum. I'm going to go watch a Sharks game, you know? What, what yeah. do I expect as a fan? What should I know as a fan? Of course, if you're on the sideline, I'm just going to say it right away. You should know about the football coming into the stands and maybe a player. But, like, what else should you be, like, expecting your, know, like, first experience at a game?
2: Uh, loud music all the time <laughs> in Jacksonville that's that strange porn that they always play it's annoying um <laughs> I think Mason agrees with it Mason
0: knows uh, he's you he, he can tell he's already like yeah I remember that. PTSD, man.
2: there's a couple of, there's a couple things in the arena that um the the people the fans that don't pay attention they're on their phones and they get hit by a football um, and they act like they got knocked out. I'm like, well, it's the football. You know, you know, walk it off. Uh, of course, you're going to enjoy the action, but if you're going to your first game, there's a term that I can't stand. It's like, you can keep the ball, but not the player. Like, are we keeping players now? Is that <laughs> is that illegal now? <laughs> like, but if you're, going to, if you're going to your first game, matter of fact, as, as I, I actually got graphics for this, crap, so I don't even want to say it. First game start this weekend, uh, especially in San Antonio, where the Carolina Cobras are traveling to the San Antonio Gunslingers. The Sharks are traveling to the Warbirds, and the Fayetteville Mustangs are traveling to the Orlando Predators for week one action in the National Ringling. So if you're going to go follow this sport, go to your local uh, website, your local teams, um, and contact your ticket provider, get tickets. It's pretty fun, cheap entertainment. You can bring a family for and I only think you're touching hundred bucks for tickets, unless mm-hmm. you're like, you know, some people in our league were like, like Josh over in uh, Columbus. You know, trying to sell the sweet seats. If, if you that can't, hundred bucks won't get you a family four on the sweet seats. Just FYI.
0: Anywhere, The closer just, to whatever, the, one. the sweet seats are closer to the floor, midfield, Any for the most part, or the party zones in the end zone. So just, just for six. new fans out yeah. there too. Um, Some of you that are seasoned, you're like, yeah, yeah, I get it. But hey, you know, maybe you want to spread it to, you know, spread this episode to your buddies, get this clip, show them that if they're coming to a game, it's a good option. But, you know trying to grow the game, new people are checking things out, why not tune in and get a little bit of expertise on knowing what you might expect of the game. And now you'll get some expertise on what we think will happen this season. As we have said, this is a prediction show. Let's get this bad boy started. First off, with what we think our standings are going to be. This is not a power ranking. This is where we feel like it's going to be the final season standings. We don't have any records, just going to be ranking 1-7 to in terms of where they're going to sit. Remember, top four in the NAL get in for playoffs, so this is our predictions also. For who we think the playoff teams are in the NAL uh as you can see kind of similar variables there's actually uh, only difference really that between this entire list uh is actually kind of the Preds and the Cobras and I think Jim you can say that you and I can say this for sure as we've talked on this show that you know the muck is a real thing and it's kind of was going to be hard I think to pick the two that weren't San Antonio or Albany in this instance and that's already being present between our three different uh, selections for the top four.
2: Well, we previewed the season. We both said that Albany and San Antonio don't have the better rosters at the point at this point, especially the addition of Arlo Nesson and San Antonio. Uh, but, yeah, the muck, I think, is going to be a mixture between Orlando, Jacksonville, and Carolina. Mm-hmm. Um, and Mason thinks San Antonio's going to be part of the muck. So, again, they're at number four. But one thing I like about Albany, all three of our playoff predictions of this season is that we have different teams in the postseason, like Mason has Carolina and me and you basically have similar teams of different positions, um, but we all agree on West Texas and Fayetteville. Um, maybe this is because of the experience that, of these players that we don't know about. We, they do have quality players, but do they have enough to sustain a... 17 week season, 14 game season, mm-hmm. getting in the top four? Probably, probably not. But, but yes, um, I mean, you both like Albany, and you're going to have a lot of people um, look at Mason and go, oh, Jacksonville. I wonder why you picked Jacksonville. Uh, Mason, because it's Gibson. And you're going to have a lot of people from Albany say, how dare you? <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, but yeah, um, for look, me, if you looking- go-,
2: go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. I was gonna say if you're looking on the uh, the pocket, uh, listen to podcasts version. Uh, Zach has Albany, San Antonio, Orlando, Jacksonville is top four. I have Albany, San Antonio, Jacksonville, Orlando, Mason has Jacksonville, Albany, Carolina, and San Antonio. So it's a mix of beans. So yeah, uh, Mason, what do you?
1: I'm I'm gonna defend myself for a little bit here. You know, yeah. just just to repeat there, Jacksonville, Albany, Carolina, San Antonio. They're my rankings. I can do whatever the heck I want. How about that? I'm the homer. <laughs> yeah. I don't care. I, I have ties to Jacksonville now. You're gonna see me wearing Sharks Red this
0: year. They're going number one. All right. Uh you just made the list. <laughs> you can tell you lo- these clips, man. I this just adds. I love this stuff. look, I I, I do think that. Yeah I think there's a, a very much a argument for Carolina. That's the big one. For Jacksonville, you know, I think that that is, you know, I think that that's kind of the good situation where we're seeing it here between us three. You know, I think depending on the crew that that Gibson has brought in and just how good that defense is, which Jim has very much said this is arguably the best defense Jack he's seen in Jacksonville uh, in a good while. Um you know, you can either see them be I think the floor to me is that they can be a they'll be a fourth seed playoff team where i think masons and mine and jim's is that they can definitely be pushing up there to be one of the top two it just really depends on you know how good of a crew of guys you're seeing and of course how well can you see the Jacksonville Sharks slow down other opponents? That'll come in crucial for guys like an Albany or San Antonio that are high-powered offenses and have been high-powered offenses at least as of the last half of last season for San Antonio, especially the last few years uh, for the Albany Empire.
2: There are three things that are common in the human life. Death, taxes, and Jason Gibson making the playoffs. <laughs> 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 he hasn't missed. Look at his history. Yes in miss playoff, so he's guaranteed
1: the top four in the league. Well, the thing they, is, they well they they have such a good defense. Like I'm looking down their roster, and they, oh man, they got a good defense, dude. And that that's it's at the end of the day, it's still football. Like defense wins mm-hmm. football games. Like they'll take you far places. The, to me, the the crucial part of their season is actually the early part. Like they have to stay afloat. They have to find creative ways to win games until they can establish the quarterback position with what they're going to do. If they can find what they're going to do with the quarterback position, whether it's, you know, this rookie, you know, rookie stepping up or, or whatever, or just, you know, letting Gibson, whatever it is, they just got to survive till midseason. And then once they get their quarterback right. situation figured out, you're going to see that thing click. And it's going to be uh, – I think it's going to be really good because that defense is going to be constant. It's going to be consistent and they're just going to be a constant. Threat week in week out, they just are. That's the good thing about having a good defense. If you have a good offense, you can have an off week. It's like having a good basketball team that shoots three pointers. If you have a good defense, they're going to show up every week. Very rarely will you see a defense have have an off week, Uh, and that's that's where I think that consistency comes in for them. My thing.
0: Right, and you know what, Jacksonville, like I said, theirs is fascinating. As I, as I'm not surprised, you have Gibson building defensively once again, and his whole philosophy, as we've always heard, and when we talk to him, you know, it's about, you know, he likes finding the guys in the rough that he can kind of mold into his own image, Mm -hmm. as well. And so, you know, Jim, Jim's known about this one recent signing for a while, but uh, Connor Blau, as it is from uh, Mm -hmm. Oregon State, um, Mm -hmm. that's been one that I think has been. And Jim, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think Gibson's had an eye on him for a minute to where, yeah. you know, that's going to be kind of their guy to go to. And, you know, we're going to see how good good that kid that kid is or who's on this roster. Uh, there might be another QB coming in. If someone told me possibly another arena experienced quarterback might be here, but to be determined, I'm not 100 percent sure if that's fully conveyed right or not. But nonetheless, you know, well, going to be possibly your guy going in. You have darian townsend you got veteran receivers on the outside to throw to you know uh there are options it's just gonna be coming down to how well can you adapt to that game right out of the gate as we always talk about and especially as mason knows how much can you get up to speed and be able to adjust to those angles that size you know that quick timing being sure that you're always getting the ball out efficiently and not waiting on your line you know those elements will be coming into play but. That defense definitely is an imposing force, and I think that's what helps a lot with our floor and ceiling predictions with Jacksonville. Um, curious, here's the one that I want to kind of talk with us us three, the differentiation on this. The Predators conundrum or the Carolina Cobras conundrum. That's the only one I think that we're really split on. I know most of us have West Tech. We have West Texas and Fayetteville kind of lower to the bottom. I will say that's, for me personally, it's marginal between four through seven on this list. I just think it's going to be a very competitive year. Um, which played actually a little bit into the Cobra's decision, because I do have, like I said, I think there will be some questions as to, you know, McCollum's great, but I think how much will it, how much will he be up to speed where we'll see the MVP McCollum? And then I also think, you know, I love the Preds specialty group and their defense. That's where I'm holding tight, but it makes it hard for me with Carolina. Carolina is the one I think we differentiate the most on right now.
1: Yeah, I I know at least for me, you know, here here's my thing, and obviously this is this is preseason, guys. Obviously, you know, I'm, I'm advising a lot of this stuff. I know a lot of people on each and I have friends, and especially obviously with the Sharks, you know, for obvious reasons. But when I'm when I'm really looking at stuff, uh, a couple things I'm, I look for for sure. It's about your quarterback, and it's about your middleman. It just mm-hmm. is, right? And a lot of arena football is that, right? And I know the Predators have you know, Josh Jenkins. Uh, I think that kid's an absolute stud. And he's going to be as good as he wants to be for a long time. I know they have some pieces. I know Lonnie, you know, and all that. But, you know, what, what does that quarterback situation look like versus uh, Charles McCollum, right? And, you know, say what you want about McCollum. He's about, you know, he's been around the country to different organizations and been with Billy back for a long time. And I know this will be kind of be, you know, one of the times he's not, but, that dude's a freaking player man like he's played mm-hmm. a lot of arena football a lot of snaps and it's just hard for me to imagine you know a, a, a Charles McCollum team missing the playoffs just he's seen so much and he's played in all these arenas and he's you know he's going to come in ready to play from from week 1 i i think carolina's a team you might be able to see come out of the gates a little bit early on fire in my opinion
0: you know one of the main advantages to me um and i how, and uh Jim, I'm curious what yours is between Carolina and Orlando. I think Carolina, if I had to switch it, like say if I wanted to switch Carolina and or Orlando, because I think Jacksonville, no matter what, I think I am keeping Jacksonville in. Um, maybe I switch them up depending on who I were to pick between Orlando and Carolina. But to me, if I had an argument to switch out Orlando for Carolina, that QB room actually is part of it because not only McCollum, but Malik Henry, who was there last year with James Fuller, who was successful in helping the Carolina Cobras stay afloat to get into the playoffs, to keep that second seed alive. That to me is what's crucial, I think as well, because you, not only, because you know, I know my part, part argument is about McComb possibly staying healthy, but even in that being the case, Henry took a lot of good strides at the end of the last year mm-hmm. that me, that us three saw that really gives me confidence that they have a well developed QB room in terms of an arena QB room. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh.
2: I I agree but the reason why I have Orlando in my, my top 4 is I believe that there's going to be a quarterback there that it's not there right now and once he gets ah. to Orlando I think Orlando would be Orlando would be that team that's going to struggle earlier in the year and just dominate in the second half because when hmm. they when a certain team decides to trade some somebody and I think he'll <laughs> go to Orlando um that's the only reason why but I th- we've said before in, in the Orlando preview and earlier in, in earlier in the, a couple weeks ago, Orlando has an elite roster. They're one quarterback away from being the elite roster. Hmm.
0: I do. I do wonder too. Yeah. You know, I think that, that, like I said, that there's a big looming QB out there that many of you already know. We're not going to say it right out of the gate because they're going to let them figure that out themselves, but there is one in the Mason. fray right now. <laughs> it's Mason. <laughs>
1: Not with these <laughs> knees, man. Not with these <laughs> knees. No, sir. That's a, they're peanut brittle at this point.
0: I think. I think Jim's sole goal is just to try and find a way to get Mason to be like, "All right, one more go at it." <laughs> 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 cracks knee one, cracks knee two. Oh, yeah, that's good man. enough. <laughs>
1: oh. <laughs> one throw in a there. shark. If, if I ever throw one pass in a shark's jersey, you have to get a shark. You have to get an shark's jersey, Jim. Facts. That's facts, <laughs> <laughs> that's not, Well, don't
0: hold your breath. <laughs>
2: no.
1: nice. nice. I may pass out for lack of oxygen. Yeah, that's exactly that's Exactly. exactly. exactly
0: it. Oh, God. Gentlemen, any more thoughts on the uh, predictions for standings? I will say one thing with Fayetteville, just to, for, for some of those Fayetteville folks out there. You did get a really good linebacker in recent transactions in, G, in James Summers. So... You know mm-hmm. keep that in mind you are going to get another quality veteran player there um a lot of this stuff with new teams we did this last year at san antonio you know gunslingers fans will know it new roster new stuff yes carrie starks is over in west texas but we need to see the rest daniel smith's over there but you know we need to see the rest it's about seeing the rest of these guys that are brand new to this level so some of that plays into it but trust me if you've heard any of these episodes of the show ranks ranks for standings four through seven in our eyes is maybe even three through seven. It's kind of like just a wide open, who knows what for us. Otherwise we only have two teams we think will guarantee to make the playoffs. Maybe three. I think Jacksonville might've made that list today. Um, but Albany and San Antonio, we feel are almost complete locks to be there unless there's catastrophic failure at certain positions this year. Great. I have yeah.
2: nothing against that. So yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it, one thing that I've said before: the muck's the muck, and the muck is going to entertain us until the very end.
0: Mm-hmm. That's what makes the league good. You know, like I said, you want to see games that are competitive through and through. Even if it's a seventh-ranked team, you hope that it's a good fight every week. And I think you have rosters in this league that will put up those good fights every week, to where you'll want to still tune in for that football game or go visit. You know, hey, Fred's fans enjoyed their season last year, even though it wasn't ideal. Those people came out mm-hmm. and showed out because why? it was entertaining football. They still put up a good fight almost week in and week out. Just need to finish games this year. That's going to be crucial for Herky Wall's first season here back in his old stomping grounds with the Predators as well. Well, got predictions for standings down. Let's look at the playoff matchup. So if you've seen what we've got, we'll kind of compile some of this together. A few of us have different playoff brackets, of course, but that's okay. We have all three of them covered for you. So don't worry. We're going to Show this bad boy off. Let's kick off with Masons here, since he's the differentiator with the Cobras. As you can see, he's going to have the championship game come down to Jacksonville and Albany. Jacksonville takes the crown. He's got Gibson running towards his first NAL championship this time as a Shark. Blasphemy, I say to anyone that <laughs> has seen has seen Gibson in years. That will be quite the sight. Not because it's you know Gibson's not a good coach, but more because of the fact that just as a Shark. You know, mm-hmm. I think that's what is the kicker for me. Winning as a shark, you know what I'm saying? It's, it just feels a little off right now. But maybe it's different later on.
1: That's, that's it. I'm leading with my heart here. I'll be honest with you. I understand that I'm incredibly biased in this, but that's okay because they're my predictions. Mm-hmm. I never thought I would, there'd be the day where I wanted to see a Jacksonville Shark championship game <laughs> here, but today's the day. So let's let's go Jacksonville. I, you know, I think these are, you know, the the four teams, I think they're going to be, you know, kind of the ones that that pull themselves through minus any, you know, like Jim said, these these seasons shift on a dime, especially with quarterback play when when different quarterbacks go different places. But as of right now, as you're looking at it, I think these are uh, the best four teams. And why the heck wouldn't I in my own little fantasy world have Jacksonville winning the championship for, for Jason Gibson? Why not? Come on, Gibby, let's figure this thing <laughs> out, man
0: oh dude without a doubt i i I was just more highlighting how it'd be weird as you know former lions coach that rivalry existing for so long and then you're seeing this him coming as in the shark which is still i think to some some folks that were out there when they saw that happen is still kind of insane but you know that would be wild in his first year i'll ask this for each one of us and mason i'm curious for yourself out of this list of your four say you were going like okay say your underdogs are san antonio and carolina who is yep. the more likely team in this playoff scenario to have the upset? If you don't go if with your ideal was, favorites here,
1: if this was the playoff scenario, uh, I do think the the more likely upset would probably be Carolina right now. Uh, oh. I know that's different, probably, than your guys' opinion. I know you guys think really highly of the of the of the Gunslinger roster, and so do I. I just know that you know, based upon the looking at the transaction, there looks like there's to be a a little bit of quarterback issue going on there for whatever reason or whatever that looks like, uh, you know, with Arvell and Bane and the whole thing. I don't, I don't know what's going on there. I don't have the inside scoop like I once did, but I just know that that's <laughs> hard this close to a season that to, to, to have multiple big name quarterbacks on your transaction report one way or another. And uh, I'm just going to go back to the experience of Charles McCollum. And, and as exactly, like you said, Malik Henry too, I mean, you know, for whatever reason, McCollum isn't able to, to make it through the season. I, I saw firsthand what what Malik can do. Uh, I don't know if you remember, that was one of the games I played in last year. We yes. got a big map and he brought him all the way back. And it took a two point conversion at the end there for us to pull that out. And he's, he's going to be a good player in this league for a long time, as long as he wants to be. So uh, I think between that, I think, you know, probably Carolina just because the experience of, of Fuller and McCollum, quite honestly.
0: That is a good point. I completely spaced on the fact that that game happened last year. That was a wild finish nuts man for sure absolutely um, crazy i mean hang on for dear life too by the way <laughs> yeah by exactly. fingertips
1: darian townsend's fingertips that's what we hung on by that catch That was that was one of the greatest that was one of the best catches i've ever seen in my life i don't know if you guys are able to see that. we had a mm. tight end zone view of it it's one of the best catches i've ever seen in my life it was it was unbelievable how he
0: that how he got, he got up and
1: hung he brought it down it was nuts man
0: that one I do remember. Out of the several from his last his rookie year, still can't believe that was his rookie year last season. He's got so much ahead of him in the, if he's yeah. staying arena or if he goes beyond too. You know, yeah. Without a doubt, Jim. Absolutely. Let's go to you next here. So you and I, same same participants, different rankings. So this one's a little different. Same championship game, uh, different venue though. Mason's got the Sharks hosting. You've got the Empire hosting with Albany taking the crown once again at the MVP arena. Um, Kind of go through your process here at the playoffs here.
2: Oh, of course. How I did my playoffs is come at the king, better not miss. So Albany's at one. Uh, Mm -hmm. I think Orlando has that second half that gets them in as a four seed. In fact, they'll be the four seed you don't want to play in the playoffs. And I think just the experience from a Jacksonville team, getting into the playoffs uh, with Gibson, they go on the road and they knock off San Antonio in the first round.
0: Ooh, that's right. I do see on your bracket as uh, again, just for those referencing here. So he has empire one predators, four gunslingers, two sharks, three. So yeah, he's got the sharks being the road warriors here in the semifinals and then heading over to Albany. But again, as he's putting, uh, if you aim for the King, you can't miss. Um, I think right now we, as we've seen, we're in like a prove me wrong type of setup anymore with a Tom and Osled organization. Um, I'll tell you though, Jason Gibson though, it's like a tale as old as time right now. In the recent years, is Gibson versus Manas. That would still be, as both of you put, an excellent football game through and through. They are diehard competitors, and as Manas put in our last show, uh, they definitely, um, they definitely look at these games and mark them on the map at, or on their schedules at this point since these two have been in the league.
2: This would also be their fourth matchup of the season because they Albany and Jackson play each other three times. Right, that's their fourth matchup. So. So,
0: yeah. That'd be That'd Wild. Those will be crucial games. Those will be must-watch arena games if you're going to be tuning in. Either venue, you're going to be seeing that in. For Jim, I got to ask you, who is your uh, – I know, I, I jumped. The, I made you jump the gun on that. That's on me. <laughs> if you're watching on YouTube, you're like, oh, wait a minute. No, uh, Jim, same thing for Mason here. If you're looking at your bracket, who is a more likely upset in – well, actually, you know what? That doesn't even fit. You already picked an upset. You picked Jacksonville. <laughs> I can't even say that because there's only one other one you'd pick. So forgive me for- – you already were ahead on your homework. You get extra credit.
1: You, yeah, yeah, clearly, you already knew it
0: was coming.
2: Well, I, I can't. Gibson has made the championship game, and especially NL, four out of five times. Mm-hmm. Now he's in Jacksonville, so I'm just going by the betting favorite who's going to make a championship game. That's the reason why I got Jacksonville there.
0: Yeah, I like those odds. <laughs> can't say you're wrong. Me so, yeah, not. he already. So he already picked the he already picked the uh, road the road warrior I'm gonna call that as the underdog anyway you know it's kind of hard to win on the road and arena it's just the thing large cr- large crowds large noise everything like that aggressive audiences let's see I'm gonna take a look at mine now now you can slide this up here so again kind of same as with me and Jim here same participants different rank so as you can see with mine I've got Jacksonville meeting up with Albany way early um and that's going to be fascinating i have the empire moving on to win over the gunslingers i've been touting that up as my matchup for a few weeks now um i will say though if i'm looking at these matchups um i think this one either one of these matchups i think you could see an upset and here's my thinking i'm actually really bullish on the orlando predators um besides josh jenkins i love brandon fuentes he's gonna be healthy this year um my hope is that lonnie outlaw takes a step as a line, as a as a jack linebacker this season and is even better in coverage than he was last year. And I hope Jack Sheehan, who came over from the Blizzard in the IFL, keeps to Peruse the same numbers he had or similar and is able to find Lonnie Outlaw a lot more as well as Jared Dangerfield. So I actually think if I had to pick between the two, I think the more likely upset would actually be over the gunslingers to where you maybe see the Preds play over in the MVP arena. I still think, much like Jim, it's gonna be hard for me to not pick. Empire at this point because it's just they continuously build these rosters that seemingly just en- have endless talent that you have to stop on every facet of the game and defensively they find new pieces to go with some of the old vets that are hardcore guys like a Brandon Csay like a Nick hag ha- that can dominate as well. I also like Joseph Putu but I digress um, I think this to me is one of the more wide open NAL seasons I've watched. So mm-hmm. I could see any one of these four or any one of these combinations of 16 different matchups, as I would put it, um, you know, four four teams or actually eight different matchups. My apologies um, that you have two teams out of the four you have to pick. So wide open. That's what I've got. My upset, though, it's got to be Predators. I like the Preds pretty high on the Preds. I don't I just like what they got. It's just me. <laughs>
2: Sometimes you got to be high on somebody. Why not Orlando? They have the skill they have players, but in my opinion, they're just a quarterback away of being elite. Unless Jack Sheehan is that dude, which he hmm. was in green Bay last year, most of the year. So maybe translates, but yeah, all of our playoffs are unique. It's one thing about the NAL. You can have a bad season. 99% through the year when the last three or four games are in the playoffs. Cause 500 gets you in mm-hmm. some true. years below 500 gets you in. Look at Carolina a couple years ago.
0: I mean, look, if you have teams beat up on each other, you have to have someone go in eventually. Hmm. So that very much is a possibility. 500 is usually what you expect to get in. But like I, Jim, you're absolutely right. That could change Carolina. A few years ago, they rallied the troops and they got in on a sub 500 record. And, you know, at least for a little while during against the empire made it a game, you know, just all well, depends think, on how the season goes.
2: But I think uh, one the next couple of things we'll be talking about is going to really stir some controversy around the league, especially among the players. Right. Um, position oh, rewards. <laughs> so yes, um, here we go. We got Mister MVP in, in our stream, so we got a couple MVPs. So let's start with our prediction for this year's MVP. Um, me, and Mason, <laughs> got Darius Prince and Zach CastroNova. Y- yes. Castronova.
0: Well, look, I, Darius Prince, I think, definitely deserved his MVP last year. I just think that, to me, I thought, as I see Castron K- K- Kova on the graphic. I'm sorry. I had to oh, stop Kova. for a second. <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> um, oh, anyway. No, look. I just saw I, that, too. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm just saying. like, I had to stop. I saw that. i like, wait a minute. What's going on? Um, no, look. I thought Sam last year.
2: fixed that. <laughs>
0: I thought Sam last year, blew, my expectations were not at all there, and the, and he, he kind of blew me away at how well he played. And not just because, like, standard QB play and he has Darius Prince and these weapons, but also, like, the escapability, the run capability he, he showed off. You know, I love the elusiveness. You know, you generally don't want to, at least my analysis, and Mason, you can stop me if I'm dead wrong. But... You generally don't want to buy yourself too much time in the game because you know it's the shorter field you don't have as much escapability but for some reason i thought sam did an excellent job of being an improvisational qb just beyond what i was expecting i think he takes that next step this year and i think that you're going to see voters in terms of league officials league people like us in that get to put a vote in i think he'll get a little more credit this year is the deal I think Prince will still be an award winner as you'll see later in this pick. I just think it'll go to a quarterback again. And I think Sam will be that guy. who will take that next step. Prince deserved it last year without, I thought there was a very good case for it, but I definitely will not shy away from saying I did put a vote in for Sam Castronova as MVP last season. Um, and if he plays like he did last year, uh, I might be doing that again.
1: Yes. I mean, for, for sure. I think, uh, Castro Nova had an unbelievable season last year. He's He could be very, very easily be deserving of this award at the end of the year, 100%. I, I think credit to him. You know, we, we talked a little bit about arena earlier and kind of how it's different. I really, really believe in my heart it takes for quarterbacks, at least a vast majority of us, You you have to have game experience with someone who's willing to grow with you for at least a year, if not a year and a half, and then you kind of see the light bulb kind of go off. And you get it, and once you get it, you don't forget it. And if you look at his timeline, that's almost that's very very similar to that timeline, right? He had, I know, you know, early on he was with Carolina. It didn't go so well, uh, you know, but he got a lot of reps. I know, you know, and then Albany comes into fray, and all this stuff, and it just seemed like the light bulb just kind of turned on, and that that's what happens. Like so many, you see, so many talented quarterbacks unfortunately get out of the league or the arena league early because it, it feels hard and feels fast. It just takes a minute. And if you have someone that's willing to grow with you, you're you're going to see that payoff. And I think that's what he's stepping into. And I can hundred percent see him being, being, being in that, in that realm this year, for sure. I don't think that's a bad pick at all.
0: Yeah. And again, I don't think Prince is a bad pick either. I mean, there's not much more to say about Darius Prince at this point. Um, dude is basically you know he was he was excellent receiver in the in the afl back in the day he took that and did the exact same thing in his seasons in the nal so far and last year you know for a time he was playing solid iron man ball they just you know kind of what we figured out is that he they wanted to make him specialist because they felt they didn't want to tire him out and you know he understood that and he kept dominating even farther so like that's a complete understatement. This man has been dominating the league now for three straight years at the receiving position, and no one really has found a solution. And if they do, then generally what happens is the Empire just find a secondary guy, like a Markel Wade, like a Dwayne Hollis, which that guy, he came out of nowhere last year. So, like, his imposing force alone makes that offense just move whether he's covered or not. So I I I I very much have him as, like, one of my maybe my probably an honorable mention, and that seems a little bit of an insult, but in terms of like second runner up or third vote, he's like definitely right there. Like I could definitely switch my vote. If he has a season that somehow if it matches or even somehow exceeds last year, Mm -hmm. I could probably throw my hat in the ring and go, yeah, Darius probably did that for me too. (laughs) Yeah,
1: for sure. He, to me, he's an absolute game changer because just the way that arena rules are set up, it's so hard to double team somebody, uh, and if you do, right, and if you get – not necessarily creative, but if you find a way to play some zone and drop a backside corner off or double, you know, with some people, whatever it looks like, a good quarterback is going to pick it apart because he knows the weaknesses of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the end of the day, the most solid defense in arena football is man coverage, and he eats up man coverage. And so if you have to play some zone, then you got to do like Castro Nova who's, you know, able to see it and pick it apart. So to me, he's the biggest game changer uh, – out there, at least offensively. And, you know, offensive players typically win this award for whatever reason. So, uh, that's just where my mind immediately went and he's proven it. Every, every stage he's ever been on in his arena football career, he's proven it. So how could you not?
0: Something I do want to point out that impressed me last year. I was, as I've gotten more and more accustomed to watching arena on a regular pace, as I've become Mm -hmm. more and more of a fan over my short fan fandom compared to you Mm two, um, last season he impressed me by the fact that you know his understanding of the nao of the arena rules helps him Mm -hmm. a lot too not in all situations he's great at catching the ball he's great at doing everything but like there were some tds where like he just knew understood the ball was on the top of the wall and he Mm -hmm. just the defender didn't know what to do and he just like touched down him And you're like sitting there going is that legal and they're like no that's legal he understood the rule and it's like that excels his game you know as chris siegfried has said on this show before He wants good arena players. Like that's a good arena player move to have. Mm -hmm. You understand that rule. You can do so much with understanding the wall rules like that as a receiver, you know. And he at least got three touchdowns last year, I can recall. Where it's like it bounces off the wall and he rebounds it, or like it just was Mm -hmm. on that top shelf and he's like, "Hey, it's a touchdown!" Like it it was there, you know. (laughs) Just hungry and and understanding of that game.
1: Yeah, you're dead on. You're dead on.
2: Also, I think he's top 3 player probably the best player in the league right now or the mm-hmm. last 2 years like when
0: yeah very good. Here, I mean, uh, not he, not much more you could say is good football player because he is that just good football when football
2: Albany football. when Albany needs someone to come out and you know make plays he's the one that does yeah you know Markel Quay did last year Dwayne Hollis did last year and you had Nick Hag and, and the defensive players but when they need offensive explosion it was Darius Prince mm-hmm. he's the one that he's the one that came out and took over the team um, even though it was how Castanova had the season last year, it was Darius Prince that was always at the receiving end of everything.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. Well, we did okay. Iron, we did one MVP. I'm I'm labeling Iron Man as kind of like MVP part two, because I mean if you can okay. do it all in excel at an all in AL level on both sides of the ball, mm-hmm. honestly you're probably gonna land with this award. And look, here I am again having to defend myself. Um <laughs> obviously I'm gonna I'm gonna let you two this time talk more about Zach Brown because I mean what there's also another. What's more to say, dude is a great two way player, and he was also in the Ironman running last year, right behind his colleague D J Myers. Who, as I've been watching videos online, he's balling out right now in training camp for the Showboats. He might be a surprise uh, pop up to help the NAL name. But what what can we say about Zach Brown, gentlemen?
1: So I'm gonna go here. Go. Let me let me jump in real quick, Jim. Because here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna give a little. I'm gonna give a little talk a little Zach Brown. And I'm gonna go on about a two-minute soliloquy because I got a meeting here. I got to run to, and so I'm gonna go through all, just briefly all my picks so I can at least explain myself so I can defend myself yes, online. How that's gonna go? He's Zach going to Brown, I'm right. Zach Brown, mm-hmm. I, what what can you say about this dude? He's been playing for a long time and he knows exactly what you're talking about. That prototypical arena player. What I saw him do last year, I know I've said it on the show before, he played every snap of the football game offense defense special teams to me if that an iron man i don't know what is and he made an impact every way he carried he had like two touchdowns he had a sack i mean he was that's as iron man as iron man gets to do that for sure so that that's my early pick offensive player of the year i'm going my boy this is might be my surprise but kind of kind of surprise out there give me darian townsend my man Ooh. is a stud i'm telling you guys we saw it two years ago in camp we saw it last year He's going to figure out a way, man. This dude is too good. He's he. You can't guard him one-on-one. It's the same thing as Prince. He's a man coverage killer. You cannot guard him in man coverage. And I think he's going to get more man coverage than Prince, maybe because Prince has a, little, has a few more years of, of name and experience where I think teams might challenge Darius in one-on-one or Darius in one-on-one situations. I think he's going to eat it up. My defensive player of the year is kind of my defensive version of Darius Prince. It's Marvin Ross, <laughs> dude. Marvin's a freaking stud. Uh, you're only as good, in my opinion, as your middleman. I think the two most important positions in arena football are your quarterback and your middleman. I think Marvin uh, is an exceptional talent, and I think uh, he's proven that every step of the way that he is the best middleman in the league and the best DB in the league. And His mentality is unique to arena. He doesn't care if he gives up a touchdown. He doesn't care if he gives up two touchdowns. Because you know why? In arena, they're supposed to score touchdowns. He lives for the interception, right? So he'll give up three touchdowns and he'll make a game-changing interception. It's like, well, guess what? We're supposed to score touchdowns. We're not supposed to have interceptions. And he just changed the game because it's Marvin. Uh, My special teams player of the year, Kali Rashad, right? I think the return game is going to be absolutely, absolutely critical this year with the rebound nets, especially with the new rules, adding a point if you kick it out of bounds, which I think was a great, great change. I think this dude is a problem- carrying the ball in space and the rebound nets are a big deal right and and that's that's could become somewhat of an equalizer and it's good to be and i think he's gonna he's gonna really excel lastly but not least by any means how could i not are you kidding me coach of the year i have to go jason gibson i have no choice in the matter you're my man gibson take it home bring it home for us all our all these sharks fans out here let's get it going
0: I love it. And Gibson, I know, listen. we know listens to this show, so he's going to love hearing that too. Might be getting a text <laughs> from him probably later today <laughs> or later when this show drops, my guess. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Guys, I appreciate yeah. it. I got to run. I appreciate you having me on again. Can't wait to do this again soon and talk some football, man. I can't wait. It's here. It's here
0: good good to have you on as always mason thank thanks for jumping on glad you got to at least get your picks up before you have to go to a meeting i ha-
1: i couldn't i couldn't i couldn't live with myself just to throw names out there and not give reasoning right i had to do it, <laughs> I had to do it.
0: thanks man have a good one
1: thanks guys appreciate you
0: yeah <laughs> mason Espinoza, nal mvp quarterback and of course uh pick pick extraordinaire for choices um Jim, I'm going to let you reintroduce into the Iron Man here. Um, and now that Mason has stepped away, we got all his explanations, and we'll react off those. For those listening, um, well, he stepped off the video. If you are watching the video, well, you've seen that. And if you want to subscribe, you know, click that bell, builds morale, and hit that big red button if you're watching right now. Or if you're listening, you want to check the video version out. Because, I mean, some stuff you miss, like the graph, like the graphics we have up here. Jim does a great job with these, by the way. You know, works really hard on that. I cannot say that enough for some of the stuff he throws up onto the show. It looks incredible. So, you know, definitely great to support that if you can. All right, Jim, you obviously know enough about Zach Brown as a fan, and we have watched enough of Zach Brown from last season. What else can you add to him? Cause I, I definitely much like Darius Prince with our conversation. This last one, I know I'm kind of the odd man out and I'll explain my section, but he's very much still in my like top three candidates to hit this award for this season.
2: Oh, of course. Uh, you're, the two guys that we have on the screen, especially with Mason, Zach Brown, uh, Kendrick. Yours is Kendrick. Darius Prince is in that conversation. There's a couple of guys out there like Alani Outlaws in the conversation, but mm-hmm. um, the the guy who finished second last year in the in the Ironman vote was D- Zach Brown. Um, and like what Mason said, he played every single down. I think from the conversation I had with Zach, he said he would maybe miss a hand, like a handful of snaps all season. If that's not telling you an Ironman is, I don't know. Who, who do you think an Ironman is? Plus, oh, yeah. he, he was in the conversation for Defensive Player of the Year last year as well. So his ability as a player is extraordinary, especially for his the caliber of a player he is. He did it in Jacksonville. He, he's doing it in the Carolina. And he also did it with the Firebirds in Albany, Georgia, from the Georgia Firebirds, uh, with the NAL first debut. So he's consistently been a workhorse, a dog, um, like the go-to dude. That's that's Zach Brown. The reason why I have him as Ironman, I just think that he. He single-handedly may carry Carolina to the playoffs if they become a playoff team because you mentioned before in the previous episode that you think McCollum, yes, he has experience, but you think Malik Henry is going to play a lot of downs. So you usually go to your most experienced individual and your most experienced individual – um, on your team is a guy like Zach Brown. And I think he gets in. Now, does that discredit Darius Prince? Does that discredit like a Lonnie Outlaw or a Kendrick Gings or a Kylie Rashad or a Darian Townsend? No. Or Brandon Fuentes, some of those guys? No. Uh, but I do think this year you're a more competitive Iron Man or even Starks out in uh, West Texas. He was there yeah. too. Uh, he was a defensive player of the year last year. So you got a lot of guys out there that can be very competitive um for this award i just think it's zach brown um because he was second in the voting last year it's kind of funny how dj myers and zach brown dj played for carolina last year and zach played you had two of the top vote getters on the same thing <laughs> um and i think this yeah. year he should replace he should be number one
0: well, i i mean brown last year was on and much like Myers, that was a very star-studded roster i mean for crying out loud i know ing's there's there actually has a there actually is a, bit of a Reveal of the Fayetteville jerseys, but we still only have him in his Cobra jersey from last year. I mean, here's what I've got with with Ings. Um, Brown definitely is up there, like without a doubt. We know dude can dominate both sides of the ball. Top rusher last year in the NAL. Top top for rushing TDs, and also was one of the, one of the tops in linebacker in the linebacking department for the Carolina Cobras and in the NAL itself. Here's my thing with Kendrick Ings and why I'm angling as this might be his year. To get this award so back in his afl days was a return man and was a very effective return man still is pretty effective at times when he's returned turned balls in the last few years for whoever he's playing whether it be of course the cobras of course is his main team i think he's going to be leaned on quite a bit to do a lot for fayetteville just based on what the roster has for him in store you know, he, he took a bit of a, he took a bit of a chance. He went from, he could have gone back to Carolina. He is not with the Cobras. He is now over in Fayetteville, North Carolina, just down the way. And I think Cato is going to lean on him as being the number one target. So I think he's going to be one of the top receivers in this league, but I think he's going to keep up his production as a defensive back last year, the way he was in terms of, you know, he was, he was solid. He actually had some pretty good coverage, but I think the kicker will be that he's going to have even better season as a return man thanks to the arena rules with the Nets. And that's my key. If he becomes one of the top return men, if he's like top two in the league, and then has that in that top production as a receiver where he's the main guy over in Fayetteville, mm-hmm. to me, he's your Iron Man player of the year. Because that to me is an Iron Man. All three phases and you're excelling at all all three. I mean, if you're if you're dominating at all at two of the top ones, you're not a return man. Returner will probably take the backseat compared to the other three. But if Ings is like, say, say it's like him darius townsend and like clear shot or like neck and neck for return touchdowns this year and then you have ing's also up there with like the likes of like maybe top five in receiving you know maybe not touchdowns but like in receiving he's just killing it and then defensively he shines that's where i think that comes in so i think you're gonna see that and as you can see that first test will be april 8th this this upcoming saturday he'll be playing against the orlando predators so that'll be a first good test but That's my angle because Fayetteville, I think, is looking for that dude to help them carry. But hey, as I I told you, man, I can't count out Zach Brown. We didn't last year, and we. Mm -hmm. I'm certainly not going to be a guy telling you there's no way Zach Brown makes because he will be in that conversation, without a doubt. He'll be in that conversation. He's proven it too much already in his career. He will definitely be talked about all season in that regard.
2: Well, speaking of kick returners, offensive player of the year. Uh, would be a guy that I think both of us, um, think oh, all three of us, it's a mixed bag. Basically, grab a person's name out of a bag and throw it up against the wall. And whoever's sticks, it's who's <laughs> gonna win the offensive player of the year. Um, you got Darius Prince, I got Kylie Rashad. Uh, Kylie Rashad, he's so dynamic. He, he's, he's my dark horse in winning the MVP this year. Ooh. Um, I, I meant to say that in the MVP voting, but I still think Darius is going to do it. But if, uh, Darius doesn't win the MVP. Kylie does that, and Darius replaces him as the offensive player of the year. Um, just how they did it this year, basically with the two positions, where the offensive player year and the MVP were different positions. Um, I like Kyler Rashad because he single handedly was a highlight, human highlight reel down San Antonio, and now he gets an upgrade in quarterback, uh, depending on who it is between uh, Arvell Nelson or Jonathan Bain. Um, both quarterbacks are a massive upgrade from Robert Kent. So that just makes him more explosive. And you have help along there with Philip Barnett that can give you, give Kylie more of a uh, concentration that he can win. And what Mason mentioned, Darian Townsend, Darius Prince, and Kyler Rashad, uh, you play man on them, they're going to kill you. Um, uh, those are the, uh, honestly, uh, this may take off other of the receivers. Kendrick Ings can be in this conversation as well. Uh, but if you add Kendrick Ings, you know, it will throw in another name in there from uh, go maybe like a Larry – Clarence Williams maybe, possibly. Mm-hmm. Or yeah. even even um, he's he's not going to be in the league until week 10 or, no, week 9, and it's Devin Wilson. You throw all those names there, and that's your top five receivers in the NAL, period. Darius Prince, Kyle Rashad, Darren Townsend, Devin Wilson, and Kendrick Ings. Um, all those guys can win offense player of the year, in my opinion – I think kyle rashad does because i think last year we were introduced to him this year he takes over it's just the evolution of Kylie rashad
0: oh yeah i mean the league was put on notice last season when this man got got returning touchdowns alone dude was a menace as a receiver you know speedster real quick can get by defenders and just make himself get open without a doubt and so they're definitely going to have a challenge a challenge for any team playing him this year as you saw in the graphic there. first challenge will be for the cobras to contain him on april 8th but i mean it's going to be hard i definitely honestly this top three this three choices we have between us three is kind of my top three if i'm going to say in voting right now because look if i'm not picking darius prince to be mvp he has i have him as offensive player of the year i just don't know how he would not end up in the awards category in some regard one way or another so like I couldn't if I didn't put him as MVP I'm like okay I gotta put him as my offensive player of the year. otherwise I clear a shot oh yeah definitely Darian Townsend as we were hinting at you know last year's just his rookie year that was a man that you know came onto the scene and now is what is known as like a guy that he'll be in Jacksonville and he's going to be at least on paper the main guy in Jacksonville this year for if it's if it's connor blow or if it's whoever that's going to be throwing his way that's so dark. yeah I was going to say, you you would know and that's why i'm also hinting is because it's probably connor because jason's been talking it up like mad that it's going to be connor so you know anyway these three to me like that's my top three that i would pick in voting and it's hard for me to choose one of one of them i'm just picking prince because of the fact that he's not my mvp choice so i just assume he will be probably yeah. right up top there but It would be so hard. If it's not Prince and say he's MVP, it would be so hard for me to pick between Rashad and Townsend because both of them are so dynamic. And they're both good returners, too. That's what's crazy. Mm -hmm. Townsend, was that's another return man in this league that I think will excel with the Nets Mm -hmm. and the halo rule is he'll be able to be shifty just like Rashad was. Prince also is a solid returner. You can't count him out. Dude does cause damage on that regard like you were hinting at. So, honestly, I don't think... I don't think there's a wrong answer in this selection. It's just going to really come down to who has the slightly better year and who voters think has better appeal to.
2: I, hopefully this is, this audio gets captured by one of these players and they play it. Uh, Cause I'm going to say a statement, all three of these individuals, all three of them, these guys can take over football games. Yes. These are your Michael Jordans, your LeBron James is of the league. If you need someone to take over a game, these three individuals can take over a game and, In your favor, because they're dynamic, they're explosive, they have good hands, they're good route runners, and they're good returners. We've seen a lot of, last year, these guys get the ball in the end zone, and five seconds later, they're dancing in the other end zone, because that's how explosive they are. These three individuals, they may even be, honestly, and here's another bold statement, they can be in the top ten in MVP voting. That's how dynamic these three players are, if they, the key word, if they stay healthy.
0: Yes, Health is, of course, a massive issue. It's the unpredictable, Mm -hmm. you know, conundrum of this whole thing. Although, honestly, between these three, um, I mean, Credit Prince did play Iron Man a bit last year. Um, I feel like all three of these guys are going to be specialists, so at least they'll have a little bit less wear and tear, you hope, uh, through games. But you never know. Special teams player of the year. And I'll admit, Ings also is in this conversation, I think, which is Jim is picking Kendrick Ings. But as we also hinted now, kind of spoiler alert, me and Mason picked Khalil Rashad. And kind of hard for us to say, what can you say about Khalil Rashad being a return mm-hmm. man? We've already kind of hinted that at that in the Offensive Player of the Year yeah. section. But Rashad, once again, in our awards category, which, by the way, players can win multiple awards. So it's not mm-hmm. like you're just restricted to, like, one category. So keep that in mind. But, I mean, Jim, you know, Kendrick Kings, as we hinted at, I mean... Yeah. Dude's also made a career being an ex- excellent arena return man. I think that's crucial saying arena. Those Nets, they're going to make some new return man faces in this league kind of shine even more than they were in previous seasons.
2: Well, yeah, he was also – I think he won the rookie of the year in the AFL as a returner.
0: He he, uh, he was up there, yeah.
2: So he has experience, and we've had him on the, the, the Fayetteville episode a couple of weeks ago, and we actually had a conversation about the Nets, and he basically just says, like – you get once you get used to the bounce, you got to think your the the rules of the game protect the returner with the with the kick, mm-hmm. uh, getting the ball. Um, but honestly, we, we how we did the voting, or how we did our selections. It's similar players the last couple of picks so far, um, but there are other guys out there. I know there's guys out west and West Texas. Like where's all any of our guys? Well, there again, it's early in the season. Like San Antonio last year, we didn't know anybody in San Antonio And Kylie e. Rashad. He's been on almost every slide in this graphic. That tells you how fast you can get your name in this league. But for uh, other names, especially in Fayetteville, like they just signed James Summers. Uh, for the people in Fayetteville who are Mustang fans, so who's this James Summers guy? He is basically uh, Yin and Yang from Kendrick Gings. They go hip to hip, basically. Wherever mm-hmm. Kendrick Gings goes, James Summers is right there somewhere. You're going to get, with him, you're going to get another specialist that's going to go in there and receive kicks and also play a little bit of the jack linebacker position, which he did a couple times this last year against Carolina, which, by the way, just a side note, that's becoming a rivalry now. It's literally. Caroline, Caroline Fayville is either Caroline Cobra's 2022 versus Carolina Cobra 2023
0: <laughs> in the same arena. So
2: uh, the Carolina Rumble is uh, shaping up to be good. And there's been a lot of rumblings like uh, Fayville hasn't been doing a lot of things in the offseason. Well, they are very busy in the transaction. So when you get this podcast, look on the transaction wire, you'll see a lot of players. So they are active. So they're there. But for people out West Texas, there are a couple players out there that I'm looking at. But when we look at specialists, we we go to people that, besides this list right here, the three guys or two guys we have here, I'd like to see a guy like a Brandon Fuentes uh, step up. He was a returner last year. Jenkins was a returner last year down in Orlando. And with Darius Townsend in Jacksonville, we we will be a guy return, possibly Solomon. Um, There are other guys out there, of course, we've talked about. Darius Prince. We talk about the guys up in Albany. Um, you can throw anybody up there in Albany, and they'll become star. Uh, it's kind of same between the last two selections here, um, and we really get to differential players the next slide when we go defense. But uh, for offensive special, it's basically if you if you're not the MVP, and you're not the offensive player of the year. You're going to get the vote in as a special teams player. That's how it goes. <laughs> so if you're not if you're in the top three in the in the rankings, uh, you're going to be one of those positions player of the year. So, uh, but yeah, uh, the one thing I love about the specialists, unlike the other leagues in the in the NAL, um, special teams is crucial if it's the deuce or it's the return game, and also. I'm surprised we don't have kickers. And, uh, and freaking Zach here, ladies and gentlemen, in our football, our NFL show, homeboy just loves him some kicking bets. And I'm surprised do. he doesn't have a kicker in the NAL specialist. So.
0: You know, I you could pick one. I mean, there's a few options. Obviously, we talk about Daniel Harrison's Justino, true. of course, yeah. being there. You know, Marco Roscoe, you know, give him a full healthy season. You know, I bet he could be in that conversation too. Uh, I mean, there's a few options in this league for kickers. I just think that you know, if we're talking maybe overall point, like overall points and like exciting plays, ones that I think a lot of voters highlight, mm-hmm. I think that's where it's going to be at. So like, you know, who knows? If, if we see a dude that just is dominating, where it's like it feels like every second or third kickoff, the dude's just someone's just kicking a deuce, then yeah, maybe we need to start re- stopping and going. All right, all right, you're scoring points. We need to reevaluate this so we got we keep an eye on kickers we just arena's a little different with kicking because it's it is essential it is definitely crucial to our style of the sport especially with the deuce rule don't Mm -hmm. get me wrong but you know it's one of those where i think now with returns being incentivized i think that's where we're leaning on is the return game being a bigger area of kind of i think specialization this year that will excel so that's all we're dealing with okay defensive player of the year. I'll admit, there's definitely one I think that we that someone some people are gonna be like, where is Kerry Starks? And we can explain. (laughs) Give us a moment. So obviously Mason, he picked Marvin Ross, picked his boy there, and completely understandable. Dude is an excellent corner. Um, I picked Brandon Fuentes. I'll explain that one here real quick. I think this man hasn't been talked enough about as how good he was two years ago and how he's knocked out of injury early on to where I think that impacted the, the Preds massively, especially in their past department last year. Cause Josh Jenkins is great, but if you only have Jenkins, you have no one anchoring the other side. What do you, that's the hard part I think is that you're able to find some more exploits. So like, that's why I think this man could come back and have like a revenge tour and then Jim, I mean, you can go ahead, but I, I can understand like Nick Hag. I mean, the dude's motor is uh, without there's no question about that man's uh, ferocity and tenacity out there on the football field or on the turf. I well, say course. the right terminology.
2: Um, but the, here's my reason why I pick Nick is. The postgame celebration, he was on stage and he made a comment saying that I don't care about individual awards. I care about the award, which is a trophy. Mm-hmm. That just told me. Players would tell you this, like they don't care about individual wars. They're lying. Every one of them's lying. They care somehow. And Nick Hag just, just Nick Hag, for me, um, I think he is on a mission this year. I think he does personally. Yes, Kerry Starks went last year, and Kerry Starks had a hell of a second half of the year. But the consistency of Nick all throughout the year. I thought could get. I even voted for Nick for Defensive Player of the Year last year, um, in our um, in our player voting. I think he has what it takes this year. And you look at the roster in Albany. I just think he's a defensive leader. He's a captain of the defense uh, up there in Albany. And I think he makes that next step. Um, He wins this individual award. And of course, you said about Brandon Fuentes. uh, When the guy's not injured, he's very very. I kind of said, "Very deadly in the back or in secondary. He can he can disrupt some of the elite receivers, and he plays on uh, on some couple offense possessions from time to time. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, he single handedly a couple of years ago against the New Jersey uh, flight, he single handedly changed the whole entire game. He had two pick sixes and back to back possessions. He that he turned it, that game
0: what, alone put me on notice for him yeah. as a top player in this league."
2: Yeah, because uh, it was – I think it was like a – it was a low – like it was an arena. It was a low-scoring game for outdoor football. It was like, what, eight to seven in the third quarter, and he gets back-to-back pick sixes, and all of a sudden uh, Orlando wins the game by two-score. That's when Orlando made a couple of free agent acquisitions with Joe Hellis and O'Brien. Uh, and they made that playoff, uh, that second half of 2021 into the playoffs. I think they won three out of the last four again get in the postseasons. But Brandon Fuentes was instrumental in that turnaround for them to get into the playoffs um, that year. I think they they were the three seed. I think they went to Columbus that year um, and lost to Mason and um, the, uh, the Columbus uh, Lions in the first round. But, of course, as you could tell, Mason loves him some Marvin Ross. Jacksonville did too. Uh, the guy was a journeyman. Was Am I right that Marvin played in Albany last year?
0: Yes, Marvin did play a little bit for Albany last year. He was on that roster.
2: So I was right. Okay. Uh, I just wanted just like I thought I was having like flashback. Did he? Was he? But um, uh, uh, but speaking of Orlando, ladies and gentlemen, Orlando kicks off the season at home, seven o'clock Eastern this Saturday against the Fayetteville Mustangs. Uh, sorry, I love that graphic.
0: Oh yeah, I love these. (laughs) If you're not tuning in the video version, like I said, I love the little animations he's got with these for Mm -hmm. these new ones. But yeah, go go out to Amway. Apparently, they got new turf. By the way, Um, more of a. uh, It looks like it's more of like kind of like an AstroTurf mix, which is starting to become a little more popular around the indoor and arena scene. I've noticed like not the same traditional like kind of like wrestle mat. It's more like that material meets like outdoor turf material. It looks like right now.
2: It's, I think it's more up, it's it's more cushion, so there's no more, there's not, they're trying, I think that field is supposed to design so there's less injuries, because mm-hmm. you know, underneath an arena field is straight concrete.
0: <laughs> it's not, yeah, not too much uh, extra cushion for the pushing if you will uh, put that lightly. It, also, something I noticed too, it comes in square patches. You can stack yes. the stuff. I noticed that in the comments. It's it's not rolls. Like traditionally, they come out in rolls. You got to kind of seam them up a little bit mm-hmm. with the yard markers. It's 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 squares. Yeah, they have squares. It's for
2: just this. it's just new design.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, and also for the Orlando, they I think the first their first they only have to deal with ice for one week. Uh, there's still a hockey ring underneath the field, so I think that is one. going to be very interesting how that field holds up against that, but. Uh, I think the solar bear season is. I think they were just eliminating their playoffs in hockey, so I don't. The predators don't have to worry about field conditions. It's kind of strange to think about field conditions and um, and arena, but for Jacksonville's sake, they may have to deal with it for at least a couple of weeks because the Iceman uh, clinch a playoff spot. So, right. Um, so that arena is going to be cold. Because they have to keep the ice, you know, frozen underneath the field for the players. It may be nice, like you're not, you're you're, you're running up and down the field and you're still being pretty chill because the ice is underneath the field, right. um, cooling down the facility. But before we wrap it up, we have one more position. We are Mason already did it. We're not going, but me and Zach have the same um, pick. I think we have different opinions about it, but we have the same pick. Um, I, I'm not being a fanboy here. I didn't pick Jason Gibson. Uh, That was Mason, um, because he played for Jason Gibson at Columbus. I understand why. Uh, But, uh, Zach, why Walls?
0: Why Herky Walls? So, again, I am very bullish on the Preds in terms of who they have brought in alone. I think that you're going to see a jump year over year for the Predators. And usually to me, that usually equates to a lot of times one of the favorites for teams to have their coach become coach of the year is that jump. I mean, the Predators last year, they went from a, you know, a play, they went from a playoff team to really one of the bot, really the basement dweller of the NAL. And I think that you really needed, you need someone just come in and revigorate the franchise. Herky seems to have done that so far. He's been really good for the community. He's been a fan favorite. And I think that he's got a lot of good supporting staff around him as well to where he and that player set will get him wins to where if he can get a playoff spot, and they look dominant then i think if they get to the playoffs alone i think he's coach of the year mm-hmm. like that's my hands down because otherwise you okay. know i mean fred shaw i think might be in that conversation too actually i just think that they were i think that it's a little bit more of a flip a turnaround that's heavier on the predator's side than it would be the gunslinger's side but i could be wrong i, I do i will say as we've talked you know i think shaw's in that conversation um honestly if coach smith or coach gunnings if one of those two teams make the playoffs i think you instantly have to consider one of those two right away you know new teams coming in and having to deal with this level of talent in this level of the sport you know that's got to be considered so i think that those are all options as well gibson i think can be it's just that you know the sharks did we're a playoff team last year he is kind of like one of the top coaches in the league as it is um I think if I think for Gibson if he comes out and does what like Mason's predicting if they if they go into the playoffs as number 1 seed and they just run rough shot through the league then he's my coach of the year. Like that that's my tier for him. Um if he makes the playoffs and they're, you know, just kind of one of those like three or four seeds and you see like the Preds up there with them too or like say another one of the teams I just mentioned, um then yeah, I'm going to be choosing somebody else. But, you know, Gibson has a shot. I think really for us like it, the Sharks, I think, were really anticipating to see how good they are with the other big boys to be in that case. I think, same, I think logic applies as well for the Gunslingers. If Fred Shaw, like, if they run rough shot through the league as well, like him and Jeremy Richardson just annihilate competition and they are either like right neck and neck with with Albany or they are tops, then you have to consider that. Tom and Os, you can always throw in there too, just yeah. recent years. So I, there's cases. I just think that to me, I value coach of the year as a coach that comes in and makes an instant change impact, like right out of the gate and just puts guys in the best position possible or turns a team around that quick. I have Herky walls as my guy, mainly because I'm high on the Preds for this season.
2: Well, uh, I'm high on it because I think Orlando is that team that starts off terribly beginning of the year feeds off that home schedule at the end and gets into the playoffs because I think they're going to get a free agent acquisition halfway through. That's going to change Mm -hmm. their um, thing. Um, That's not by sources. That's just me and some, I'm making assumptions. Um, You look in Jacksonville. I agree with what you said about Jacksonville. Go Gibson. He has to be the number one seed. He has to uh, home win home field advantage and get to the championship game. Because when we did our voting, the voting was no, that was, it was done before the playoffs. So, Mm-hmm. Um, if he's a number one seed, number one seed, then yes. And then you go look at Albany. Cause I know coach, um, Manas listens to this show. And he, he'll be, he, he was, he, from the conversations we have, he was kind of distraught that straw won the coach of the year last year. Um, it's almost like he's in a lose, lose situation up in Albany. He can be the best team in the league and still won't win the, uh, win the coach of the year. But I, th- I think there is one way that he can win coach of the year. um, that's fourteen and zero. He goes fourteen and zero this year. Number one seed, he wins a coach of the year because his team is undefeated. I mean, that'd be uh, incredible
0: if that that is the case. Just, yes, you. That's that's running rough shot right there for the Albany standard. Is you mm-hmm. you just win every game like mm-hmm. that would be insane. But you but,
2: know, I guarantee a Manas is like all their coaches. I don't care about individual awards. He wants the trophy. If he doesn't win coach of the year, he goes, look, I got three trophies. Those are my awards. But like, mm-hmm. that doesn't tell you that I'm the coach of the year because there's only one coach at the end of the year that has a trophy, and that's the team, the coach that's on the winning team. Uh, but you look at uh, the other coaches around the league. Um, again, West Virginia – or West Virginia, really. West Texas and Fayetteville, those are the question marks. Um, if they get in, yes. Uh, coach Fuller has also won those coaches where – Nine wins may get him in, gets him in the conversation type of deal, because he still has a pretty loaded roster. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then you, the only reason why I like Herky Walls is because I think um, when he got hired, a lot of people around the league is like, "Who's this guy?" Orlando fans know who he was. He's a predator through and through, uh, and you can tell the mentality in Orlando is there because all the players that were on that team last year, uh, the the ones that contributed a lot returned. So they yeah. bought. They believe in his message, and Orlando just seems like the team. They're going to try and find their quarterback situation. They may may not get a free agent uh, acquisition halfway, halfway through the year, but I think they do. When um, I do think Walls gets in at the end as a coach of the year because I think Orlando sneaks into that four spot. I think um, that's a park.
0: good. I think that's a good point you brought up as you see a lot of players you know and sure, familiarity with an organization and ownership does help but i think you know being able to kind of go like look we had coach higgins last year you know and we uh-huh. you know we had to switch things out now we've got you know former you know arena football great herky walls leading our organization and you know sure i mean player player to player that does help a lot with that relationship but i think You know even with arena being more so about you know i'm playing because i'm more local you still can have options to move other places if you want teams can set you up with housing with you know possible occupations as we've heard you know if you need to get relocated they can help you out um the thing that i think stuck like you're saying is that you know a lot of these guys these core players you know the -hmm. ones that you think about with like you know that are orlando players these last two years you're absolutely right. They stuck around. And I think that that's crucial, especially like, to me, like having Ani, Lonnie Outlaw come back. And I think you hope to use him more this year. You know, having that much receiving talent come in. You know, there are a lot of guys that bought in this season. And, you know, I think that are guys that are standout names. You know, like I said, we have, uh, you know, like I said, uh, Jared Dangerfield going to get another shot. He'll be back. He'll be with Orlando this season. You know, I think Prince Shinola, who was with Orlando previously, who was an underrated talent with them. Mm-hmm he's going to be there and he's still on that r- roster as well. You know, having Lonnie outlaw as a receiver that you hopefully will get more opportunities. That's the thing. And then of course that defense, we cannot stress enough, you know, Freddie Lloyd Booth is going to be back as well, who was leading the league in sacks until he was knocked out late in the season. Keep that in mind. Yeah, That dude was a menace and was actually put in for the defensive player of the year voting. Yeah, he was. And he, and that was with, uh, that was with, I think like three weeks shy of a full season's work. And he was still one of the tops in sacks in the league.
2: Plus, you well,
0: got the, two of the top corners.
2: The, the, so, the, the, cru- the crucial point from last year for Orlando was their injuries. Exactly. Injuries. They got the injury bug halfway through the season, and it got and it cost them. Mm-hmm. The healthiest teams end up making the playoffs.
1: Yeah,
0: I, I I definitely there are options all over the place. You can make case I think for all seven coaches that they can be coach of the year. Obviously, I, I mean that's in any league, but like Herky. I feel like all the pieces are there to where that Preds jump is there. And a lot of that does stem from them bringing things together as Mm -hmm. a core group that believes in their mission and in a community that keeps growing back. It's fandom. Yes. And he's going to be key to that. And I think that's why we think he'll be that coach of the year this season.
2: So uh, bold predictions,
0: bold predictions this week's bold predictions. Um, I think that you are going to see a Ooh, here's what i've got i think that the playoff scenario this year for the fourth seed will be five teams deep and that anyone can jump i think that it'll be close to the point where the four could be as low, could end up being at the end of the season as low as like a six or seven seed i just think it's gonna be that competitive this year i don't think you're gonna have as much of a discrepancy like a predators Team that finishes with, you know, very minuscule wins and is at this this the basement dweller, I think it's gonna be that tight of a season between all all seven. And in particular that four through seven section, you'll the final week of the year will be bonkers. That's my bold prediction.
2: I've never seen them act like that before. Denial can be an ugly thing. Well, we should go, Mr. Ventura. I've arranged to play. I'll meet you at the bottom.
0: There's still one more thing I must do before I go. You heard Ace. Don't deny that you're going to be having to sweat it come the last week of the year in late June. You know it's coming for some of you guys out there. You know it's going to happen.
2: Uh, My bold prediction is uh, three teams in the NAL, top three teams will be separated by a half game at the end of the year.
0: Ooh, okay. Kind of like a reverse setup. I see. I see. I think that's a good case. Again, this is looking like the most competitive season in the league's history that's about to be geared up for. I know we said that kind of last year, but like even more so, like the more teams you get, the more spread out the top talent becomes because there's more options to go play. So it just feels like, there's more chances you're going to see these teams really, I think, take chips out of each other and all the way down until we get that final four set up.
2: Well, last year, we the playoff field wasn't confirmed until the very last week. Yeah. Two years ago, it was confirmed with two weeks left in the season.
0: It's only so, going to get more chaotic. <laughs> it's chaotic,
2: yeah. Uh, hopefully this year, we don't have a a Columbus-Albany ordeal where the top two teams just away from everyone we did kind of did last year with carolina and albany but the three c columbus caught fire at the end and you know shrunk that lead but um hopefully it's very competitive but like you said earlier four and seven i think will be separated by a game or so i, I think it's going to come down to the very end and it's by, it's going to be based on um injuries who can stay the healthiest not just talent but healthiest but ladies and gentlemen that is the it of the Predictions Show. So, what's coming up? Well, week one's coming up. Fayetteville traveling to Orlando on April 8th at 7 p.m. on YouTube. Also, the Jacksonville Sharks are traveling to West Texas to take on the Warbirds on the 8th at 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Central Time. And the game of the week is the Caroline Cobras traveling to San Antonio Gunslingers on Ooh, the 8th at no 7 p.m. Um, that will be breaking down those games. When we finally get all the roster finalizations for Week One action of the NAL, then we'll you know get into it. We're gonna have a pick 'em on our Discord to our people. Who are on Discord. Links in our description. Join now. Um, just fun games, things. Um, I may actually put money into it. Uh, the winner of the mm-hmm. pick the regular season will get two tickets to probably the NL championship game. Um, if that's if you want, or something hat, jerk, or hat, shirt, or something. Uh, do it for the whole season long. So if you want to be a part of that, join the link in the description. Pick'Em's will be um, up for grabs. But yes, Zach, seven and a half weeks, bro, previewing action. Oh, boy. Um, this Friday, we're talking about football, my friend.
0: Wow. We're going to, we're going to talk about the matchups fully. Oh, match-ups it's going to uh, be good. Season's
2: finally here. Um, By the way, uh, Castronova, I do apologize. I, that was me just, you know, blasting the thumbnail without, you know, reading. <laughs> the <same. laughs> um, There was supposed to be an N and for a C, uh, but I do apologize. But then again, he, he can do that to me the whole time. He's like, oh, you can mess up my name, but I still got the trophy. Um, I have a history of just butchering his name. I do apologize, Castor. Um, He'll get no. it down
0: someday. It's okay, Sam. One
2: thing – oh, I should do one bold prediction. One bold prediction. Um, aren't you right, Donnie should return this year.
0: <laughs> right, you are, uh, Donnie. I got it. Oh, my God.
2: And uh, hopefully uh, he doesn't make a comment about how Castro is throwing rocks (laughs) like he did (laughs) last year, too. Uh, So there's some (laughs) there. If you're new to the arena game, especially in West Texas and Fayetteville, when you're watching the Orlando uh, Predator stream, they're very hilarious. They do interact with the chat and they do uh, do a lot of. interesting comments. Like Castro's out there. You know how it's supposed to be Castro's out there throwing dimes like quarterback, but he was saying they're throwing, throwing rocks. rocks. It was so funny. <laughs>
0: we we um, love you guys out there. If you happen to even listen to this show, seriously, yes, you make uh, it very entertaining to watch Preds games without uh, a doubt.
2: You'll see either me and Zach on the chat. We're usually there and coming up on fr- Friday's podcast we'll be breaking down three games. Uh, to kick off the season. We already know our season predictions. This is week one. Join the Pick'em. We'll get that up by the time this podcast release on Wednesday. You'll see there. Um, Just join. Free dinner. Nothing to just join the Discord. Join the community. And we'll do a Pick'em to that you see who wins it. And whoever wins regular season gets two tickets to championship game or playoff game, whatever, um, of your choosing. Also, um, might have a player on. Don't know yet for certain. It is... Carolina and San Antonio it is their um, game of the week. They are the inside mm-hmm. of the week. Uh, so let me, um, I have so many things. They are the game of the week, Carolina. There, there you go. <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll reach out to possibly uh, some uh, San Antonio players. Uh, we'll try to either go after Rashad, maybe Arvel Nelson, seeing that he's a recent follower of our Twitter account. So it'd be pretty Ooh. cool um, to talk to him for Friday. So without further ado, the reason why we did two shows this week, ladies and gentlemen, is because we didn't want you to stick around for two and a half hours because uh, Albany fans loved last week's episode because it had, it had Eddie Brown, had Coach Manos, had a lot of intel, a lot of stuff about Albany, but everyone else in the league didn't it because we spent too much time on the Albany Empire. Well, that's the reason why you get two episodes this week, ladies and gentlemen. I am <laughs> yet, that's Zach Collum, and stay tuned, Friday, 10 a.m., week one is finally here. Are you ready? Yes. Are you ready
0: for some football? Covering all your favorite parts of the 50-yard fight, this is the Inside the Walls podcast with Zach Heilman and Jim Bernier. Good.